Today I talk with an amazing guy. Mark Burnell is, has been a horse dentist for years and years and years and years. We won't reveal how many years, but certainly a big number of years. I've known him my whole life. I met him at Pony Club when I was 14 years of age. And again, we won't go into how many years I've known him then because that would tell you how old I am. But in today's discussion, we're going to talk about why horse teeth is so important, how you become a horse dentist and much more. Enjoy the conversation. Welcome to the Your Riding Success Podcast. My name is Natasha Altoff and I'm a Grand Prix dressage rider from Australia, author of three books and a leading online trainer of riders all around the world wanting to take their riding to the next level. I'm also a chocoholic, mother of two amazing children and obsessed with helping riders be all they can be. Each week, I'm going to be bringing you stories of inspiration, ideas and strategies of how to make real progress in your riding and give you actionable advice on overcoming riding fear and anxiety so you can take your riding to the next level and be the rider you dream to be. So let's get into today's episode. So, hello riding superstars, we are with the amazing, listen listen to me, I'm getting so excited for the amazing Mark Fennell. Thank you so much for your time. You're welcome, Natasha. I'm so yeah. pumped and excited to be sharing this conversation with you. I've known you forever. Yes. And you need to tell me later how you have not aged. Because uh, uh, I definitely have and you look amazing. Thank you. Preservatives. <laughs> yep. In Love food. <laughs> All right. So um, you are a horse dentist and you've been a horse dentist since I was... 15 years old, but even way before then. Yep. So please tell me, how did you get into horse dentistry? How does that story look? I was a pony club kid, like yourself, and was doing my K certificate. Oh, yeah. And as part of that, I would, was interested in looking into horse dentistry. And at the time in Melbourne, there were only three people that were horse dentists. So I annoyed the guy that used to do my pony club horse yeah. and my dad had a couple of race horses and he lived near Caulfield at Malvern yeah. and we used to have to float our horses from where we lived down to Caulfield stables to a friend's racing stables yeah. and he'd do their teeth mm-hmm. and he was um, he'd been doing it his whole life he took over from his father yeah. in 1937. Wow. And, and this is not a university taught no. course in 1937. This is just passed down. No. Well, in That's 1937, cool. they were just possibly beginning the first veterinary school in Australia. Wow. And his father had been a horse dentist for 49 years before him. Wow. <laughs> so uh, the guy who taught me, Ted McLean, yeah. he was regarded as the best of the top 10 trainers that were training in Melbourne. He did nine of them. Wow. Uh, he did Gary Owen, which is yes. a famous horse for Violet Murrell, <laughs> and was friends with all the Murrells. Uh, they were great horsemen. Mm. And a couple of years after annoying him for my case certificate project, I was at uni. I was doing. Well, where were you studying? Uh, science, apparently. <laughs> so uh, it was uh, a lot of hard work, a lot of harder playing, unfortunately. <laughs> and um, I persisted with asking Ted, you know, was there any chance he would ever train someone? Yeah. And then he came to me and said, look, mm. time to retire. He wanted to finish up at 65. He'd never taught anyone. He had all these clients who relied on him. Mm. And would I be interested? And I just ran at it and I was so lucky. Wow. And uh, from there, it was a long apprenticeship. Mm. And um, it was interesting as time went on uh, in America, in the late 80s, they started the first dentistry course in the world. 
And in I, Australia? No, in, oh. in America. Yep, okay. And uh, I contacted them and went over and signed up. You finally up. became accredited all those years later. Well, it was a day and a half. <laughs> oh, shit. Okay. And uh, they had a convention after that, the first international association convention. Yeah. And that was interesting. Yeah. I went back the following year and um, I could see how things were changing in America where they were churning out a lot of people with a piece of paper mm. and not a great deal of competency. Mm -hmm. So the difference between a certificate of attainment versus a certificate of attendance mm. became incredibly relevant. Mm. Around the same time back in Australia here and in particular the Victorian Department of Agriculture were reviewing the uh, Prevention of Cruelty Act and the Veterinary Act as they do after so many years. Mm -hmm. And in particular they were looking at equine dentistry as part of the Veterinary Act. But yep. there were several people earning a living doing teeth. Some of them also gelded horses and drenched horses and did a lot of para-veterinary things that weren't good. Yeah. So we formed an association of people who were interested in being a professional horse dentist or equine dental technician. Yeah. And it all went from there. We developed a course. I helped write the course. Great. I got the course accredited. Oh. Um, and then got the course reviewed and re-accredited and we set up the hardest dentistry course in the world. That is so cool. Yeah. That is such an amazing story. Well, you've contributed so much to that space. Thank I you. just think it's amazing. So if I am 15 years old and I think I like horses and I think I want to work with horses and maybe horse dentistry would be something, how would I do that now? That's a good question. <laughs> um, the thing that we look for in... Um, assessing people for their potential in mm -hmm. that, which is a difficult thing. Potential's a hard thing to read. <laughs> yeah. And there are three criteria that we look at. One is their life experience, mm -hmm. which includes their horse industry experience. Mm -hmm. And also their ability to do the course is the second thing. Can they afford the money and the time? Because it's a full-time course. And this, how long is it, a year? Uh, about 18 months and yeah. it's an occupational traineeship. So yeah. it's largely in a workplace environment, mm -hmm. working for people who are expecting a professional job and you are supervised, mm -hmm. supervised training. Yes. Online learning works for some careers. It does. But, but when, you, when it's a practical <laughs> skill, you can't learn the piano or how to play tennis or how to play pool by watching a video clip. Mm. You actually need to pick up the racket and smack the ball at some time. Yes. So, and the final thing is our ability to teach them. And it's very hard to be willing to admit that you need to learn. Learning is a humbling experience. So a very humble is. person yeah. uh, is very easy to teach. Mm. And we get these CVs and they're fantastic. I've ridden since I was six. Mm. I've ridden since I was five, four, three. I've done this, I was, I was, I was. And they're uh, probably not the best. Um, depends. If they're very much, I know it all and I well, well, can handle everything. The cup's full. Mm, mm. And one of the most refreshing things about what I do is the change in technology mm. and the under, greater understanding, thanks to science and peer-reviewed research, mm. that things are improving all the time. Yeah. So it has changed how you've done horses' teeth. 50 years ago to now? Oh God, no, not 50 years ago, because you look so young, so let's just go 20 years ago. 35, <laughs> we'll go halfway. Okay. No, it's, uh, the, the outcome's the same. Yes, because it's, it's still a, te a tooth in a jaw. That That's hasn't right. changed, it's still a horse. Yeah, yeah and there's a lot of uh, pseudoscience, science fiction I call it, around mm -hmm. caring for horses' teeth. Mm. The worst thing you can do is too much. It is a living structure. Mm. So the advent of power tools has created a lot of 
welfare issues and mm. a lot of negative welfare outcomes for the horses. Mm. The reason we do teeth is to improve their life, improve yes. their longevity, improve their ability to convert food into energy, mm. improve their ability to be ridden, driven, whatever, and be comfortable with a bit. Mm. It's about improving their life, not making it shorter or mm. complicated. Mm. Yeah, it's huge. Mm. And I remember when I was at Pony Club listening to your talk and you said, you know, horses, correct me if I'm wrong, but they, they eat a certain way, which means that one bit goes sharp and one bit gets worn away. And if no one in the wild, if you're a wild brumby in the, or in the plains of the savannah, no dentist comes out to you, you don't live very long, do you? Yeah, it's often uh, their teeth condition does deteriorate faster than a domesticated horse. Mm. They've done studies in North America, Australia and New Zealand, where we have large herds of feral horses, donkeys and mules. They are an introduced species in all three of those continents. Yeah. Average lifespan, seven or eight. Average number of foals, two. Mm. So depending on where they are in the wild mm. and how good the pasture is, mm. because they are herbivores that need grass, mm -hmm. they're not adapted to eat plants. Mm. So in the Australian bush, when there's no grass or poor quality grass, they need cellulose, they'll eat bark, they'll eat trees, yeah. they'll eat bushes. Their teeth aren't that good. Yes, yeah, no, it's crazy. Cool, so for everyone listening, how often should they be checking their horse's teeth? And, and yeah, if they're a, a pony clubber or a dressage rider, what, what's going on there? What should they be doing? Another good question. A good rule <laughs> of thumb is uh, a horse on largely a grass and hay diet once a year. It's routine yeah. care. Mm -hmm. So it's like caring for our own teeth. Yes, if you ask your dentist, check up. Yeah, get the checkup, <laughs> see, at least see a dental hygienist. Yeah. And our role is probably more like a dental hygienist than a dentist. Mm. We can't administer scheduled drugs. Mm -hmm. We can't carry scheduled drugs. Mm. We can't prescribe scheduled drugs. We are not a doctor mm. or a technician. Mm. A high grain diet, most of my work's on racehorses. Mm. Grain's harder to eat than grass. Their teeth get sharper sooner and then requires more care. Yeah, yeah. And so do you have any cool stories you want to share with, because I know you've got such an amazing experience with the racehorses, anything that comes to mind where you're just like, oh, I think this, there was this one time, this one horse or some really cool antidote? Yeah, there's always a, a good story. Um, and that, that sometimes your small part in that mm. of some great horses that have yes. uh, won really prestigious races and a lot of prize money in it. In particular nowadays the Colts, they get um, syndicated if they win the right races yep. for 10, 20, 30, 60 millions, the dearest horse wow. I've ever done. Yes. And just knowing uh, that was So You Think that was trained by Bart Cummings and going into his first Cox Plate, he was a, a late three-year-old and losing his first caps so yeah. horses are like kids they get two sets of teeth mm -hmm. and just sweating on when to take his wolf teeth out and the caps so that for the he timing did, didn't throw his head you can't have them throwing a head when they're going that fast and mm. just seeing him win and knowing that he was comfortable and happy and yeah that's so cool so why do you do what you do for the glory for the horse for the love of the horse what what drives you uh, always was horse mad. My grandfather had a lot of horses. Mm. He had a dairy and he had horses that pulled carts to deliver milk. So he had 40-odd yeah. horses in uh, outer suburbs of Melbourne yeah. that worked six days a week. Mm. And to see how they were kept and the diet they were on, yeah. 
you hear a lot of stuff now and it's just an insight how horses can be such a great servant to man yes and just work and live in the most simplest mm. of environments so my interest in horses began there and i just liked horses a lot and enjoy working with them yeah my um dad was a milkman back in the day and he said he he wanted to do he was also trying to run and so he would teach the horse to walk along the little thing and he'd just jump out and jump in, jump in without directing the horse and there was one court or something and he, he would leave the horse there and it would walk around and he would go out with all the milk and come back and again this bond that I'm like, because I was like, you don't know anything about horses, you, you're not a bondy horsey person, he's like, actually, <laughs> so it is, you don't have to be a gooey girl to have a connection and to have that relationship, that working relationship with, well, you figure out that this is what we're doing and then we can go yeah. do this. The smartest horse in the stable was always the spare <laughs> because if a horse had a, a shoe boil or had thrown a shoe or had a sore wither and the harness couldn't go on them, the spare horse was often a very old horse, often yeah. in their 20s, and they would go to do round number 13 or round number 6 or round number 20. Yes. And they would go down the first three or four streets, then drop the reins. Love it. And they knew where to stop, where to turn, so where good. to trot, where to walk. So uh, my grandfather, they bought a horse who, it turns out, was sick and had strangles. Mm. And this is pre-vaccination wow. for strangles. Can't even imagine a world like that. So yep. a stable of 20 horses all got strangles mm. and uh, because they had a shared water trough. So it was highly... A great way to spread a disease <laughs> by sharing water buckets. Anyway, uh, the guys still had to deliver the milk. A man driving a ute was twice as slow as a horse and cart and a man. That's so, amazing. Because the horse and cart drove itself. Yes, and had that relationship. Mm. I love it. That is just so, so cool. And um, did you still ride? Do you still ride? I uh, like to ride more. I ride badly. So, um, I've got a hobby trainer's license and I'm uh, well and truly overweight for age so uh, they sneak me a funny look but we just go very slowly. My horses end up quite religious as I turn to God to try and hope they slow down or whoever, I don't care. And uh, But they're, you know, it's just an interest. Yeah. And um, everyone needs an interest or a hobby and horses are a fantastic hobby. Yes. And do you feel, um, have you got certain goals that you still want to see in the dentistry world, either you personally or with the actual institution? It sounds like you've, you know, you, you're so into making sure the right people get into it. Is that, is there more goals there or? Well, the goal always was with forming the association in Australia was to get um, legal recognition of the profession, which we, we have nearly got on one occasion. and that may still happen, um, to, to deliver accredited training. Yes. And that's important that um, it is regulated and to make sure that our members can get decent insurance. Mm. If you're paying someone, they're a professional, they must have insurance. Mm. My biggest clients ask me every year, are you insured? How much? And then prove it. Really? So certificate of currency mm. and the most you can get is 20 million, 20 million. Mm which for some of the horses you do and you're only working on them for 15, 20 minutes, mm. it's a leg. <laughs> it's just a whole other world, isn't it? Just wouldn't even consider it. But your performance horses there, you know, to find a decent one mm. can be hundreds of thousands. Yes, yes, yeah, yes. Yeah. Yeah. So many zero. I go, what's a zero? You just keep adding them on. They should be nothing, just more zeros. No.
<laughs> oh dear. Anything else you want to add before we wrap this up? No, just uh, I'm probably the wrong person to ask about life as a horse dentist because I've been very lucky and I love it. So I think I and I, I don't know if you know I'm hugely fascinated about success and the definition of success and I look at you and I go here's someone who just loves what he does and you can see it I see you with it and you're an amazing horseman I watch <laughs> you, you with my horses and I love being around you you're so calm and so it's just straight away you go Whoo. <laughs> um, so okay. yeah, you're, <laughs> thank I, you. You are a, the definition of success in my eyes. So oh, congratulations. thank you very much. Uh, likewise. <laughs> Thanks, Natasha. Beautiful. Thanks for being here today. Thank you. If you enjoyed today's episode and you want more information, including the transcription, head over to yourwritingsuccess.com backslash podcast. There you'll find all our other podcasts, lots of cool manuals there for you, lots of cool other transcriptions, heaps of free resources there for you. Just go to yourwritingsuccess.com backslash podcast to get that all and make sure you hit the subscribe button so you never miss an episode.